Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast featuring candid interviews with unconventional entrepreneurs who are boldly building a business and life on their own terms. I'm your host, Willow, video producer and storyteller at Be Seen Productions. My mission is to elevate your online presence. All my guests on the show also have a big mission and inspiring story to share. You'll hear messy truths, triumphs, and tribulations from entrepreneurs who have been there and done that and who are unapologetically blazing their own trail. If you're starting out in business, you'll gain practical insights and tips so you know what it takes. And if you've been waiting for a sign to carve your own fucking path, this is it. Okay, let's meet my next guest. If you strive to be authentic AF, online and in basically all areas of your life, but you struggle to do that, uh, this episode is especially for you. As you know, this is something that I help people with on camera. And so does my next guest, Vasavi Kumar. She's an actress, comedian, self-expression coach. She helps people show up confidently in all areas of their life. And the way she does that is pretty unique and awesome and simple. And you can do it anytime and you can start now. So I'm really excited for you to meet her because she is a very outspoken, bold, confident, just amazing woman. Let's meet Vasavi. We are in a, in a, the same line of business. Yeah. yeah. With, with helping people on camera, be yeah. real, be themselves. Yeah. Okay. So welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path. You are, well, you're a therapist turned storytelling, confidence, self-expression coach, and you've been in the media for over a decade and you have your own podcast, which I have been binging myself because I love how you blend all of this together, your work, your life, your beliefs, your experiences, and you, you get intimate with your audience. And then you also have, you know, interviews. So I could take a page out of your book and start blending it all together because that's what it's about is keeping it, keeping it real. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Willow. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to be here with you. Awesome. Well, yeah. I always like to go back to the backstory and yeah. you can start wherever you want because sometimes, you know, there's this maybe a pivotal moment where you, you decided, okay, I'm going to carve my own path or I'm going to go in this direction. So take us back to wherever you want to. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this too, but you, you are a first gen immigrant as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's great that you started off by saying I'm a first gen immigrant because that's really how it all began. Right. I grew up on Long Island, New York, uh, Long Island, strong Island. If, if you know, you know, uh, but yeah, my, my parents came over from India in 1974, 1975. Sorry. I was born, um, shortly thereafter. So um, I have an older sister and we grew up on Long Island, which was an all white town, still pretty much is. Actually, it's gotten a little bit more diverse, of course. Uh, but when I was going to school, when I was growing up and going to school, you know, I, there were like one or two Indian kids in the school. So the split happened at a very early age for me, right? I was never too Americanized or white enough for the kids at school. I was, and, and my and I was never too Indian for my mom, right? My mom always wanted us to be more Indian. That's always still to this day. She goes, can you just be more Indian? And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Oh, the external, right? It was always about the external. Everything, you know, and I think this goes for any 
any culture, it doesn't actually matter, but it's like, you know, status matters. What you look like on the outside matters. How you present yourself matters. Yes, and I love status. I love looking nice. I love dressing well, but no one ever taught me how to, how to feel good on the inside. No one taught me how to feel good about myself. I was just taught how to present uh, I'm doing okay, look. So I know how to present I'm doing real good, right? But my insides, that journey, I have to learn on my own. Um, but to go back what you to, to what you originally said about how I'm able to kind of integrate all these different parts, to me, it started off because, I mean, we have all these parts to us. We do. I have a very Indian side. I have a very New York side. I have, a, I have an angry side. I, have, we, I mean, if you think about it, we all have different parts inside of us. My entire life has been dedicated, whether it's been through the relationships that I've had, the career paths that I've taken, even the wardrobe that I've chosen to wear, the guys that I've dated, the, the, you, know, the, you know, the books that I read, everything that I do has always been with the, you know, just it has been, has been fueled by this like deep hunger. I want to know myself. I want to know myself. Maybe this will help me know myself. Maybe this will help me know myself. Right. Unfortunately, fortunately, you know, there are no mistakes in life. Some of the paths that I've taken, like mm, using drugs and alcohol, I'm almost three years sober. March 27th will be my three year sober date, soberversary. Uh, I've used many, many um, paths to really uh, understand myself. Some of them detrimental, some of them really great, you know, whether it's uh, going to plant-based culinary school, becoming a social worker, becoming a licensed therapist, being a TV host, being a coach for the past 11 years, you know, all, all the things has always been like a, like everything. And I, and I love that the name of your podcast is carve your own fucking path because every path that I have been on to the outside might be like, girl, you're crazy. You've been everywhere. You're just all over the place. And it's like, am I really all over the place or am I just a hungry individual who is so curious to learn who God made her to be? And so she's willing to take every path I took. I've taken almost every path, every dangerous path I could take. I've taken. Now I'm in a season of my life. I'm going to be 40 in May where it's like, I'm trying other things. I'm trying different ways to know myself. The point that I really want to make to your audience is it never ends. Stop trying to get to some finish line. Like, oh, I know myself. I can stop working on myself. The shit is every day. It's yeah. every single day, every moment you have an opportunity to know yourself. And so who you see me today, someone who, you know, Willow, you could ask me anything and I will tell you the answer. I have no, no secrets, nothing to hide. You talked about being so intimate with my audience. I'm able to be intimate with my audience because I'm extremely intimate with myself and I'm not afraid of myself and I don't have shame against the person that I was and the person that I'm becoming. So I have that relationship with myself. Therefore, I'm not too concerned whether you like me or not because I like me. Mm -hmm. Boom. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Drop. Yeah. Yeah. Podcast over. We can yeah. be done with the interview. That's it. Basically <laughs> go on, go live your life now. Yeah. Message, message clear and, yeah. and taken because you do, you do talk about that. You know, it all starts with knowing who you are and as business owners and entrepreneurs and I mean, anyone it's, it has to start there. So I'm curious in your case, this, so it sounds like this early identification because you come from a strong culture. I don't identify with much, you know, as a mm -hmm. white mm -hmm. American, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's, so I, I could understand that that was like a, a kind of duality in a way where you're trying to blend mm -hmm. and then, yeah. So that's, that's the, 
that's a great word to use duality. It's, it's interesting. And I, I want to share this as a way for your audience to really look inwards and ask themselves whatever they're going through right now, realizing that it's like your soul chose this in a way. So hear me out. It's, it's, I'm saying this because you use the word duality. Um, in the Hindu religion, we talk a lot about duality. And the way that you become one with yourself is to realize that you are God and God is you. There is no separation. In Sanskrit, we have a saying, a phrase that says, Tatvamasi. Tatvamasi means I am that. There is no, oh, God is out there. I am here. The creator is out there. And I'm, I'm just a creation. No, creator and creation are one and the same. So it's funny that you use duality because I was raised in a religion in a way of life that taught oneness. It's called Advaita. Uh, duality is Advaita. It means that us and the creator are two separate entities and we are not two separate entities. We are living embodiments of, of the creator. We mm -hmm. can create anything. That, we have the power to create family. Look at that. As women, we have the, we have the power to create life. How much, how much more godly can you be? Right. So um, that and then what's really interesting is when I was 19, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is I mean, it, it is duality. That's what bipolar disorder is. It's two poles. Right. And scientifically, you know, in the medical system, it's, you know, mania and depression. But when I first got diagnosed 20 years ago, I thank God I have this background of my Hindu religion and my faith to always kind of, ha I have a very solid foundation upon which I was raised and how I think about, about oneness and God. And, and I always look at everything as like, what is the bigger picture in all of this? So I remember when I first got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I ran to the Barnes and Noble two days later, and I found a book called The Tao of Bipolar. And I read it, I was sitting on the floor reading it. And I I saw the most beautiful definition of bipolar disorder, which gave me a lot of peace and focus for the next 10, 20 years of my life up until now is they said bipolar disorder is just the conflict between your higher self and your ego. That's it. It's these two poles. It's like, oh, I know, I, I know that this is what's true for me. No, but don't do that because what will everyone else think? It's that that's that mania and depression. When you're feeling good, you're on top of the world. You feel one with yourself. You know, if you don't know how to manage that, yes, that can offset into mania. And then when we're not being one with ourselves, that's when we fall into do depression. No freaking wonder we feel crazy because we're constantly battling back and forth. So when I was 19 and I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I went on a cocktail of meds. I gained 45 pounds. I did all the things the doctor said, but I also made it my mission to learn how to think, which I think is fine, which I find very funny because people pay me because of the way I think. It's just, it just goes to show y'all the things that you think are your, are your greatest, your biggest curse is actually your greatest blessing. I think it's funny that people pay me because of the way I think when I was told 20 years ago, you have a mental illness, which basically is telling me you have a broken mind. It's like, no, I don't. So I learned how to think because I was told that my mind was basically broken and ill. Mm. So it's just interesting that you talk about duality because that has been my biggest uh, obstacle for me to overcome is, is duality and to come back home, finally one with myself. So, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Is that something you speak about a bit about this di diagnosis and I speak about it all because there's somebody out there that could benefit from hearing it. I'm not the only one who's ever yeah. been diagnosed with any sort of mental illness. You know, I have yeah. to talk about it. My life was given to me to share. It's not just for me. I didn't go through all the shit just to keep it to myself. I went through it. I, if we look at ourselves as messengers, as vehicles to help another human being, there's really no hesitation in sharing what you're going through. If you know that your life you've been put here to help other people, period. There's no question that anything that you go through in your life is worthy of sharing. 
because it might help somebody else. Now, now, let me make it very clear. I do not share every aspect of my life with people. I do not. I keep things. There are some things that just are sacred and just with me, but I also have no problem sharing it either. It's just timing, right? Not everything needs to be shared in the moment as it's happening. Everything, and as an actor and as a comedian, I know this, everything boils down to delivery and timing. So there is no need when people, when clients come to me and they're like, I'm going through this really vulnerable thing. Do you think I should share it? I go, well, picture yourself sharing it right now. How would you feel? They're like, well, I guess I'd be nervous. Like, are people going to respond? Are they going to like my post? I go, don't do it because you're already hungry for validation. Please do not share your shit with the world, hoping that they will validate you. If you're going to share it, share it because you you fundamentally believe it's going to help someone and don't just sit there waiting for the likes and follows because that's a surefire way to have a vulnerability hangover, you know? Mm. And, and yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I've not heard of the vulnerability hangover, but you do, you do also speak about, um, or I'm curious to get your take as well. What is too much? When Mm -hmm. is it too much? And, and also it's like, if you, if you're using your audience as your therapy, you know? Yeah you know, putting things out there that you're not necessarily mm-hmm. over or healed from or, or something. I think it, that could be a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. So, so take, let's, let's go back a little bit to the, so this happened at 19. I'm just curious, like what, what happened next? Was this something that what you ha- talked about it then? What, ha- what happened next was a series of shit storms. <laughs> no, uh, no. I mean, listen, I've, 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 I've had a, I've had a hard life. I don't usually allow myself to say that. I really don't like saying that. But as I reflect and have more compassion for the first 39 years of my life, I'm like, girl, you've taken a beating. I, I mean, I have. So I, I, I had a hard life. I had a, I, 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 that, it comes off when I say it. I'm like, oh, Voss, you, you are the person, you are like the most self-sufficient. You don't need anyone. Don't ever say you had a hard life. But I have compassion for the things that I have gone through in my life. I've been through a lot. I've betrayed myself. I've abandoned myself. I have a lot of compassion for how hard I've made my own life. I made my life hard by, by thinking that, by believing that um, I was difficult to love. And so it's, it's funny the things that we do when we, when we believe our own stories that were difficult to love or that were too much. You know, so after 19, what did I do? Oh, you know, because I grew up in a house where education was highly valued, I went on to get I got obviously graduated from college. I got one master's in special ed, then I special education, then I went to India. You know, I did, I, I did, I was on my path. I was still always kind of seeking, is this it? Is this it? So then I lived in India for a year. This was in my 20s. Guy came back, got another master's in social work at Columbia University. Um, I had been in therapy since I was 12. So I really knew the value of therapy. But I also, after I graduated from Columbia, you know, the coaching industry had just become very popular. This was 2010. The economy was crap. People were leaving. People needed ways to make extra money. And I remember reading this article in the New York Times about the coaching industry. And I was 28 at the time. And I just graduated from Columbia. And I was like, oh, I like this. I like therapy and I like coaching. You can blend both, right? So I just set out, you know, for the past 11 years. I mean, I've always done some hybrid of therapy slash coaching. Um, But the number one thing that I had to get in order was my own personal life. I was married. I got divorced, um, fell into a pretty bad rebound relationship, lasted way too long in that rebound relationship. And then um, because of the relationship that I was in and just the company that I was keeping after I got divorced, I, I got hooked on cocaine mm-hmm. and uh, I was running a six-figure business. 
and, um, you know, on the weekends, it started off on the weekends, started partying and then got hooked on that. Uh, I have addiction in my family on my dad's side, not my parents, but on my dad's side. And I got hooked. I mean, it's one hell of a drug. So I, you know, went from one day a week to two days a week to five days a week. And eventually had to go into rehab, got sober. This was in my mid thirties. A lot of, mostly my entire thirties was, was, was when I had to really look at myself. I, that's when I started realizing my codependency issues, you know, how much of my validation was put in the hands of these lessons after I got divorced. Um, I went to rehab, like I said, got sober, got back on television. I became, go ahead. Just curious about the, with the cocaine, because I mean, did that, I mean, feeding into each other, you have the six figure business and you're on TV, right? So Mm -hmm. that seems like it would go together pretty well. No, not, not really, because um, it affected my performance actually on camera, which is why I'm so adamant about my philosophy when it comes to being more confident on camera and in real life, just even right here on the Zoom conversation or in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living a double life, right? So all everyone on set thought I was sober, but you know, on the weekends during my TV hosting jobs, on the weekends, I'd, I'd, I'd go out, I'd get drunk, I'd get messed up, and then I'd come back to work on Monday. And living in that duality, to use your word again, mm-hmm. you know, pretending to be the sober TV host and, you know, oh, I don't drink, I don't do that, you know, living this double life, but then going home, it affected my performance on camera. I, my mind couldn't keep up with my mouth and my body was always in a state of anxiety because I was living a lie. That was the lie that I was living. It was that I'm sober, but I'm not. Long story short, I got let go from that job six months later, uh, which is unbelievable to me. It, it was unbelievable to me at the time because I was like, what? I don't understand. And now obviously looking back, it's like, Voss, you know, I talked to myself out loud in third person. It's like your perform- my performance, who I was on stage, who I was on live television was, you could see was definitely not someone who was truly confident because I was hiding secrets. So what I like to tell my clients when I work with them now is clean up your life behind when the cameras aren't rolling. Like, it's not enough to just be like, hi, we're on like, no, guess what? What if you lived a life where you didn't have to just be on and fake it? And what if you actually were happy? What if you actually did have a smile on your face? Or what if you had the tools and the coping mechanisms to, you know, off camera, behind closed doors, you regulate your emotions, you have those boundaries, you, 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 you take the advice that you're giving everybody else. See, that's the problem is that we're giving advice to people that we're not taking. So I take people on a journey, like, let's look at your insides, your content's good. All your, your feed is fine. Everyone's like, what should I be posting on my social? That doesn't matter. Can we please have a clear sense of self first? It doesn't matter. Like you're focusing on the wrong thing. And that is why I love talking about this. Like, so, so I appreciate you, you know, probing and asking that question because that is, that is how you show up with more confidence. It's it, confidence is not a feeling. It is a skill that you build and is a skill that you build when nobody's watching. Yes, yeah. definitely. This world mm-hmm. and especially being on camera and in this social media world life that we live, it's, it is so much living many lives, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, and it also becomes the, very curated and everything else. So confidence is a big one that is sold to us. Mm-hmm. This is going to make you more confident. So walk, walk me through like your, your process from going 
I'm mm -hmm. living this double life doing, you know, drugs and I'm saying I'm not. And yeah, I'm just curious how that. Yeah. How, so, that process like. Yeah. So I got, I got sober again for the second time, um, March 26th. Well, it's 26 or 27. See, I don't keep the dates anymore. That's a good thing. That's a good yeah. sign for me, actually. Um, because when I was first getting sober every single day, I'm like, oh my mm. God, I'm sober another day, but I'm grateful. Yeah. Uh, I got sober. Yeah. March 26, 2019. So when I went back into rehab the second time, it was completely my choice. Um, first time I went, I ran out of money. I, you know, things were, my business was not, you know, I'd burned through a lot of my money. Cocaine's an expensive habit. And I was taking care of a deadbeat boyfriend. So uh, when I went back to rehab, the first, when I went to rehab the first time, my parents, I had to, I basically had to, my, the, my sister came, she swooped me up from Austin, Texas. We went back to the East coast, did all that. Second time I went to rehab, it was completely my choice. I said, I was done with the chaos. I walked into rehab and I said to my counselor, Carl, tell me what I have to do. So I never have to come back here again. Everyone knew my name there. It was my second time back. And I said, God did not put me on earth to be known as some fucking drug addict. That's not my, that's not how my life is going to end. That is not what I'm going to be known for. I have a lot of compassion for people who struggle with addiction. I've been there, but I wanted more for myself. I was not going to be like, hey, boss, welcome back to rehab. That's not what I'm going to be known for. So um, I said to my counselor, Carl, what do I have to do to never come back here again? And he said, shut the fuck up. Stop acting like you know everything and just listen. And that's what I did. I just shut the fuck I stopped acting like I knew everything. I clearly didn't know what the hell I was doing because I ended up in rehab. What I want your audience to hear is hopefully you'll never have to go to rehab, but we all need to go to rehab in our own shape and form, in our own way. We all need to go through some sort of recovery process. I was recovering from life. It wasn't just drugs and alcohol. I was recovering from years of codependency, years of toxic thinking, years of beliefs that had shaped me and brought me to where I was today. So I humbled myself. I humbled myself. I stopped acting like I knew everything. I, my mom had to take care of me financially. Um, I didn't have any clients. I just focused on getting sober. And that's what I did. I learned every single day how to love myself. What does Vasavi want? How does she like to wake up in the morning? How does she like to move her body? These, how, how, do, how does she need to be loved when she's scared, right? When she's feeling like a loser because she's not bringing in any money and her mom's pay, you know, paying her bills and sending her Google Pay payments, she feels like a worthless piece of nothing. How are we going to talk to her in those moments? So I learned how to talk to myself and I talk to myself out loud. I say it out loud. I have a book coming out spring of 2023 published through New World Library. It will be coming out spring of 2023. It's called Say It Out Loud. That is how that saved my life, saying it out loud and talking to myself out loud and talking to myself in front of the mirror every single day for the past three years has brought me to where I am today, which is you cannot tell me who I am and you do not have the power to penetrate me because I know who I am. And that takes consistency and that takes looking at your ugly, all the parts of yourself and embracing your ugly. And that doesn't mean that you let yourself get off the hook and like, oh, it's okay. I accept this part of myself. No, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't like this part of myself. I'm going to change it. That's the thing. That's what I really want people to hear because I think there's a lot of I embrace all the parts of yourself. That's great. And if you don't like something, change it, right? Self-love for me isn't, I hate this habit that I have, but I'm just going to accept it. No, I don't want this. I want better for myself. I'm going to change it. You know, so you got to be honest with yourself and honesty. I think a lot of times we want honesty to be honesty to be packaged up with a pretty bow, but the greatest lessons in life are wrapped in sandpaper. Who I am today is not because like things have been fine and dandy. 
things who I am today, which is someone that is unfuckwithable, is because of the of, of what I've been through, right? And so whatever you've been through, and you don't have to have this rock bottom story like I did. We all go through our own struggles in our life. You don't have to minimize. I know a lot of my white clients often feel guilty for even saying that they're struggling because they're like, I'm white. Who am I to struggle? We're human beings. Give your, don't, do not dismiss your struggles, right? Like, don't say like, oh, cause I'm not brown or I don't have, I don't have these issues. Who am I? No, like, no, why would you say that to yourself? What is it that you're going through? Let's take your, what you're going through. What are the lessons that you've learned? Because when you do that, when you dismiss your struggle, or whatever you're going through, you're, you're, you're invalidating this part of you that maybe needs your attention, right? So that's what I, I really want every, because I, I get this a lot, Willow, when I get on podcasts, it, people always hear me and then they DM me and they're like, you know, I'm really sorry what you've been through. I want to be a confident communicator like you. I want to be on interviews like this and I want to speak, but I don't have a struggle. And it's like, okay, you don't need to have a struggle to be able to be of service. There are plenty of things in your life that you can observe and reflect and lessons that you've learned that you can share to your audience, right? It's just, I just, I, I really want to say that because I, I share these stories and it's, there's a lot of shock value. I understand that it's highly entertaining, but this is all my life. This is also my life we're talking about, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I want to make that very clear. Um, don't compare my chapter 11 to your chapter two. You know, you may be going through something and being like, oh, I haven't been through anything like that. Well, maybe you will. Don't compare what I've been through to where you're at right now. You know, yeah, definitely. And yeah, and yeah. that's the thing about, you know, sharing is, is we all have something. And, and I, I hear this too, friends and people say, well, I can't relate to like that extreme, you know, this thing that happened, but, but then it, yeah, it invalidates ourself and we do need external validation. Hmm. We do need, there's, you know, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say you don't need anyone's validation. I, there was a point in my life where I was extremely cynical and jaded hmm. because of all the breakups. And I was like, can I just not get any love in my life? I became very cynical. I became very jaded. I'm finally out of that. I'm actually sharing more publicly that I want to have a family. I've never thought about having my own family. And I'm like, hmm. wait a minute if I can create a business, I can create my own family. Right. I just like, Fuck yeah, I, yeah, I can create my own family. So I've been thinking about having a family, so, you know, yeah. turning 40, will do that to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I was just saying. Sorry. Go ahead. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm a little bit older than you, but it's, it feels like, yeah, you know, that's also a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> yeah, as women and, and I don't have children either. So it's like, okay, the, mm-hmm. you know, got to make that decision. Um, so now I forgot what I was going to say, but it was, um, damn, I totally lost it. There's, I have so many questions, but I mean, really start with anything. Yeah. What's what's the most pressing question? Well, I was going to say the, okay. Or ask about the comedy because comedians Mm. generally have had a hard life. And a lot of the time I watched, there was a documentary I just saw about that female Mm -hmm. comedians. And so I'm curious about your, your comedy. Did you do stand up? Were you like, what kind of stuff? Yeah, you so I said, so I set a goal this year, last year to do my first comedy showcase. Uh, I, I, um, in 2016, I had signed up for a six week comedy workshop. I couldn't complete it though. Cause I was using too much cocaine. So I decided, um, I really, that was a goal that I had that, you know, I'm grateful to God that I'm sober. I wanted to go, you know, I started playing tennis again. I do all these things that I 
couldn't keep up with because of my addiction. So I signed up for a six week comedy class. It was like October, yeah, October, November, and a little bit into December. And I performed my first five minute, my tight five, uh, uh, comedy <laughs> showcase, December 13th. And yeah, my life has definitely informed my comedy set. I talked about how we were hit as children growing up and how growing up in an immigrant family, right? My mom is the scariest woman that I know. She still is. I still lie to her to this day. I openly admit. I still lie to my mom. She just can't handle some shit. And it's called self-preservation. And, and I preserve, I preserve my, so, you know, everything with my mother is on a need to know basis. I made that a part of my set. I talked about the first time she caught me masturbating when I was seven years old and what she said. And, you know, I, you know, coined the term, the tight slap, which if, if y'all don't know, because, you know, white people don't slap their kids. They, they spank their kids. We get slapped. We get, we get actually, we get big, you know, it's not like this hippy dippy, like, Oh, I'm just going to slap, you know, like we got slapped, chased around the house, hit, put into a corner, beat the shit out of when we were kids, but I made a joke of it. That's how I, that's what I do. I, I turn my pain into something. I alchemize it. How can I, how can I, channel this energy, this grief, this sadness, this anger, how can I channel this and create something from it? So that's what I did. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't condone that my mom hit me. You know, I don't, I'm making light of it. I'm not making light of it. Like, I think it's wrong. It's wrong to hit your kids. I do. That is my stance on it. I I think if Mm -hmm. you don't know how to use your words and you need to use your hands, you shouldn't be having children. That's what I think. I don't think it's funny uh, that she hit me at the time, but you know, there comes a time where you take, you have a lot of excess energy. And this is what I've learned works for me. When I have a lot of excess energy, excess emotion, it's like when I'm feeling rage, when I'm feeling extreme grief, when I'm, you know, just like I have all this immense joy. It's like, I want to channel it, right? I want to channel it. And I want to use that. I want to use that energy and to create something. So I channeled it into my comedy. So um, when I write comedy, I talk about things like, you know, my dating and how I don't know how to talk to men. And it's just like, you know, I just, I just, I just laugh at myself. I just laugh. And for any of you who might be thinking that's spiritual bypassing, it's not. I've been in therapy for 20 something years. I've done enough of sitting in my shit and my grief and being with it. So it's time for me to start laughing at my shit. And it's funny to me. Yeah. Okay. So the comedy's new ish, like three. Comedy's new. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, three years. And what yeah. what do you see for yourself in that way? Do you do any? Qu- yeah. So you, this is actually a great question because I uh, set out this year is going to be the year like I'm deep in my acting. I'm in a nine week act- film acting class. Uh, I do. I'm doing voiceover, so I have a voiceover agent. I have, an, I have a talent agent as well, acting agent, commercial agent. Um, so I'm really spending my time this year doing that. I'm also still working with clients. I do three hour uh, communication strategy sessions where we work on your platform. Your you know, your positioning, all that stuff, your audience. So I'm still being able to help people in that way, which I'm grateful for because a lot of, you know, you always say starving actors, starving artists, I'm not starving, right? Because I'm able to fund my dream basically by still coaching people and still helping them combining all that. Um, but where comedy is, here's, here's what's interesting. I realized like a month ago, two months ago, I set out, I was like, you know, for my 40th birthday, I want to perform my one woman comedy show. I want to, I want to write a one woman comedy show. This I want your audience to really hear this about like trusting their intuition and trusting their gut responses. So I was writing this one woman comedy show and I was working with my comedy coach. We were on zoom and she was having me read out my show. And she goes, Voss, I need you to be more animated. I need you to, you know, you're performing the script, you know, we're, you know, you got to break down the script. You got to perform. And I was like, this is fucking exa- exhausted. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted doing this. Right. I, so I, I, I told my comedy coach, Nikki, I'm like, give me like a few days. I got to, th- I got, I got to process something. And I, I, I sat with myself and I said, okay, boss, you got your comedy. I said this out loud. I had a conversation with myself. I highly recommend everyone do talks, talk to themselves out loud. Athletes do it. 
it's, it's very good for performance, but I will say, you know, I just had this conversation out loud. I was like, all right, boss, you got your acting, you got your comedy, you got your voiceover. What do you want? And what I realized was comedy for me, I set out the goal. I set out to do my showcase and I did it, but I realized comedy for me, humor has always been an armor for me since I was a kid. The way I used to cut tension in the house, I grew up in a pretty chaotic fighting household usually my mom screaming at my dad all the time. It's very chaotic. I used humor to deal with my emotions. I used humor to control the environment. So as I was writing this comedy show and like having to perform, I felt like I was back to being three years old, you know, in, in like second or third grade again, where I was just like wanting to make everyone happy. But basically what I'm saying, can y'all fucking adults grow up so I could just be a kid so I don't have to work so hard to make y'all behave? Y'all are adults, right? Like that's basically what I was saying. Like, all right, well, y'all don't know how to behave. So Vasavi has to be the clown. And I just had that moment. I go, I don't want to do comedy anymore. I'm going to focus on my acting because I love how inward it makes me. I love that I get to go inwards. It's the perfect blend of self-reflection and self-expression for me. I love voiceover work because I love my voice. Hello. And I can do anything with Great it. Voice. Uh, so yeah, there is no comedy. I'm still funny. I'm still funny as shit. I just don't want to get on stage. And you know, I don't, I don't want my success to be so binary. Like, oh, whether you laugh at my stuff or not, you, oh, I'm only successful if you laugh. No, there are other ways to like that I can get an emotion out of somebody doesn't always have to be in that way. So I, I set that aside. I I said, Vasavi, you set out your goal to do your showcase. You did it. Great. I love acting. I love how inward I can get with my character. I love how more, much more compassionate it's making me towards parts of myself that I haven't embraced. I have a character that I'm playing. She's, um, she's nine months clean. This is from the movie, Kim getting married. It's played by Anne Hathaway, my character. I had very little compassion for her because my character in the beginning, uh, the scene is she's at an AA meeting and she admits that because she was on Percocet, she drove off the bridge and she killed her little brother. When I initially got the script, I was like, God damn, like regret, right? Regret is the emotion. Regret is the feeling. And there was a part of me that was very blocked off from feeling that regret, me, Vasavi, which was very hard for me to then me embody my character played by Anne Hathaway. My point is that it's just been such a beautiful journey to look at all the different layers within myself. And it's, it's fun to play another character. So that's where I'm at with all my creative pursuits. Okay. It's, that's such a cool way of explaining acting in a different way, because yes, I have an acting background as well. And it, I never looked at it as being an inward process. It's always a bit of like separation from who you are. So no, I see it as, I see it as my, like if I, I overlap my life with my character so I can evoke actual emotion. So I have to look inwards. So, okay. I may not have killed my little brother. I don't have a little brother, but where in my life have I experienced extreme regret? That's where I had a block and my acting coach helped me see where in my life I was really blocked off to the own, my own shame that I felt around regret. And that is why I had no compassion for my character. And I was just, I was just saying the script, like it was a script. And she goes, Vasavi, you're glossing over your emotions. Vasavi is glossing over her emotions, which that when I'm then playing my character, my character is basically dead on the inside. Cause I'm on the in, uh, dead on the inside when it comes to this. Right. So it's been, it's brought me alive. I'm alive. I, the, the feelings that I used to run from, which is regret and shame two of my biggest, I don't like feeling regret. I say that on every podcast interview, I say, I don't want to die with regret. 
Well, I've been denying my own regret in the process because I don't want to feel regret. I deny some of the regret that I've had and that's impacting my acting. So I'd see it as a beautiful process to go inwards. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So your, you, your goal is to be movies, movies, TV, TV film. I mean, yeah, anything. I, yeah. Yeah. We need more. I was in a, I was, I've been in a few commercials. I was in a Chili's, Chili's a restaurant, India commercial, which should be actually coming out in India soon. Oh, wow. Wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I got to ask my agent when that comes out, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of cool stuff, but I really want, I do a lot of non-speaking stuff. Mm-hmm. I get hired for my facial expressions and, and I'm just so good looking. What can I say? Right. Uh, but <laughs> you got to use it. <laughs> But I've been wanting to do, I've been, I've been wanting to do a lot of film acting because I want to start, I want to start like being a character, right? So that's, that's my focus in this next year. I'm so excited. So exciting. And things are opening up now. So that's good. Yeah. Timing. Absolutely. And and, okay. So your podcast is say it out loud. So now I know what that means. Yeah. For you say it out loud. I've never heard that athletes speak to themselves out loud. Yeah. Andre Agassi, actually, uh, who's a tennis player, Andre Agassi, the tennis player, wrote the memoir, and he talked about how talking out loud is one of the tools that he uses. Vygotsky in child psychology talks about inner speech. We all have inner speech. When 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 you see little kids when they're trying to walk themselves through a task, they actually talk. They mumble to themselves. They mumble. They're like, okay, first I got to do this, and I. That's a child walking themselves. It's it's helping their cognitive functioning. As adults, we, but as we get older, the adults in our life silence us. So that inner speech now becomes inward, but it's still there. It's still there inside of you. I'm just saying, bring it out. You can solve any issue in your life when you talk out loud to yourself and you dialogue with the different parts inside of you. To some people, say different personalities, sub personalities, voices. We all have different parts. You know. When I'm upset with my mother, let's just say, right, I, I have conversations with myself. It's the, I have like an eight-year-old inside of me that's angry at her mother, but there's a 39-year-old wise Vasavi who can now reparent her eight-year-old and say, listen, don't be mad at mom. She does not know any better. I'm here for you. What do you need from me? Eight-year-old Vasavi is not going to get emotionally what she need, needs from her mother. First of all, she's not eight. Second of all, her mother never gave it to her. 39-year-old Vasavi's job is to give it to her eight-year-old, right? So even when I have conversations with my mom now, she doesn't trigger me as much. I sometimes still get annoyed. I'm human, but I don't seek anything from my mother like the way I used to at all. I just see her for who she is. You know, she is who she is. She's been through her own stuff. I'm not going to make her responsible for validating me as an adult. As a child, you know, it kind of sucks, but I'm here. I'm here to give that to myself. That's taken me a while to get to, you know? Mm-hmm. I, that I have what it takes. I, I, I am it for me, right? If, if everyone in my life were to go tomorrow, I'd be okay. Cause I have me. And I think that's a very powerful and liberating place to get to. I think that is the definition of liberation. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes, that is. Yeah. I mean, but I had to be honest with myself and be like, yes, I would be okay, but I still want a man. I still want a man in my mm-hmm. life. I had to be, I want a man in my life. I want, maybe I could even have one kid. Maybe it could just be me, my husband and my kid. And I've been giving myself permission to actually think about, oh, could I like be a mom? Cause like, I would love doing that. And I remember speaking, I, I would love, and my mother said to me yesterday, she goes, do you know how much sacrifice you're going to have to, ha- you know, when you have a kid, I said, it can't be any more sacrifice with all the men that I've dated. And it's probably going to be, feel like a really good, this will be one sacrifice that I don't mind making. Do you know what I mean? And, but I said to my mother, here's the biggest difference between you and me. 
I'm very selfish and I put myself first and I will put myself first even before my child. And what I mean by that is I will always make sure that I am taken care of emotionally. Mm -hmm. I will make sure like I will come before my child. Now I know, obviously, moms would say your children come first. I I don't think in that way. I think I have to come first Mm -hmm. because there is no happy mom. There is no sound, grounded, stable mother. If I do not put myself first. So I said to my mom, I jokingly said, you know, I'm selfish. You know, I'll always put myself first. I'll be fine. You know, it's funny people's opinions when they tell you after like 40, you want to have a kid. And I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Please stop. Okay. So you, you get all the, it's the best thing ever or don't. Yeah. I hear, I hear it too. Everyone. But I, I do love the honesty as well. When people, you know, especially girlfriends just say, if it's not 110%, yes, mm-hmm. you just don't even, don't yeah. even go there. And part of it is because we've had so much time to be selfish. And I don't look at selfishness as a, as a negative, the way you right. ex- explained it, you know, you, that's you my, put- my, my, my superpower is that is my superpower. I, I mean, I, I, I say to my friends, like, when you're with me, you're with me. I am present with you. I don't say yes to anyone unless I know I can give you my full attention. Mm-hmm. That's self-care for me. I don't want to fragment myself. You know, you know <laughs> what that's like when your girlfriend's talking to you, you got other stuff to do, but you still feel like you got to be on the phone. And I'll say to my girlfriend, I, I got to go. I'm like, I'm not here. I'll call you back. And they just get it. Like anyone who takes care of themselves will get it right? The people who get offended in your life is because they don't know what it's like to take care of themselves. So, you know, if anyone out there struggling with boundaries, just remember, if you try to set boundaries and people get pissed off, it's, it's not you. It's because they literally don't know what boundaries are in their own life. So they think you're rejecting them and you're really not. You're self-preserving. Yeah. That's a bit huge. Yeah. Boundaries saying, no, I'm just learning about people pleasing as well. And that that's a that that's shows a trauma in, response, but that, oh my God, it shows up in the, the smallest ways yeah. in the, I noticed even in my emails, oh, I'm okay. If sometimes <laughs> I'll write a sentence and I'm very direct Willow. I think you can tell. I can tell. Well, I, I can tell. Okay. <laughs> but in emails, I make sure that I like put a little smiley face or I put an exclamation point because I'm, I don't want the other person to think I'm just being cold with them. And I've been going back and I have an email exchange going on right now with, with someone who who owes me some money for a speaking event. It's fine. It's all going to work out, but she's very much like a, just a period. There are no emojis in that email. And I noticed, I'm like, that's fine. She's just direct. It's fine. I'm like, you know what? I don't need to put smiley faces anymore unless I feel like it. <laughs> so even I, that's what I want your, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I want your audience to hear. It's very easy to hear the host, hear the guest and be like, oh, they have all their shit figured out. It's like, no, I literally just put a smiley face in my email 30 minutes ago because I didn't want the person to think I was being bitchy. Like, no, we're, it, you still deal with it. And it's just yeah. noticing it, you know, it's just noticing and be like, oh, I noticed that I did that. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not doing it. It's such a, it's a, it's a very small example, but, but says a lot about the culture about again, being female, I think as well. And a girlfriend had said that same thing. She said, I don't do any emojis anymore. It's I'm just direct. I don't need to, you know, sugarcoat or fluff anything up. And she's in a very male dominated industry and often feels unheard unseen. And so I thought that was like an interesting no, I, I that thank you for sharing that because it just snapped something in me I was just like yeah I don't ever have to put in another lol or I mean unless I want to with my girlfriends yeah. right like of course but I noticed like in work situations especially with other women I I I always want women to feel loved 
by me. Mm-hmm. I want women to feel loved. I want them to feel like I'm talking to you, like we're on, we're on the same level. Like, I don't care. No one's beneath me. I'm not above you. We're on the same. I'm talking to you like smart woman to smart woman. But I notice, um, I notice myself doing that. And I'm like, you don't need to be less direct with somebody because you're afraid they can't handle it. They can handle it. They can, they'll be fine. So that's something for me, like letting, that's a little bit of the codependency. Are they going to be okay? Let me try to manage their emotions with the smiley face emoji. No, let's stop doing that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No more emojis. No more (laughs) more emojis. No more exclamation points. No more sorry. Sorry. No more sorry. Or I just wanted to tell you this. No, just fucking tell me what you want to tell me. That's it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We can all learn from that. Definitely. And okay. So I talk about this as well, a lot about masks and the mask that, that we put on in different scenarios and this whole buzzword with authenticity and be your authentic self. I'm curious how like your process again, and similar to the confidence, like really coming into yourself and uh, like just owning who you are. So the practice, the process that I use when I work with my clients, everything is verbal. We don't text. All my clients know we have our phone calls. They Voxer me. They use a walkie talkie app or they send me voice notes. I listen to the vibration of people's words. I listen to the energy behind people's words, right? So my clients know they can't really hide from me because we are going to be face-to-face. We are going to be talking. I'm listening to not only, I'm listening three different layers. I'm listening to initially what you first tell me, then what's, what's the sub Mm -hmm. what's even underneath that. What is the energy behind it? Who are you? What are you saying? Who are you being? What do you want? And where's the discrepancy? That's what I am great at. I can look at everything that someone is saying and being like, you're not being authentic. You're not being authentic. You're not being authentic because I can feel you in it. And if I don't feel, and as someone who has worked very hard on being in alignment, I can smell, I can feel inauthenticity because I am true to myself. So inauthentic, so authenticity can smell inauthenticity, right? (laughs) But what, you know, have you been in a toxic relationship where both of y'all are just both being inauthentic and you're like, I wonder why this friendship isn't working. Both of y'all are being inauthentic, right? Like Mm -hmm. both of you are maybe being inauthentic, maybe, but my process is very simple, Willow. It's like, we get, we talk. We get on the phone, we look at what you want, what's your vision, who, like, what is it that you want to be saying? Who is it that you want to be? Like, it's always starts with like a clear vision. Where are you going? Right. And then, so from there, we can start at where you are today and really look at, okay, what are the connections that need to be made? How are we growing your business behind closed doors? What are the personal things that you're going through? Because if you're out of integrity in your personal life, it's going to show up in your business period, right? How many of us are still offering things in our business that we're no longer in alignment with, right? Like I just spent the past four months kind of burning everything down in my business because it's like, nope, this is not in alignment. Nope, this price point isn't in alignment. Nope, this is not how I want to work with people. It felt so good to do that. And now you just get to reinvent yourself, right? But when I work with clients, it's always through just saying it out loud. I mean, we it, it, people come to me, they're like, okay, what's the exact process? I'm like, start talking and I'll let you know. I need to hear you talk. I need, I, I need to know how, you, you know, about anything. Tell me about your mother. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your business. All I have to do is listen to you talk. Tell me about something you've been wanting to talk about, but you have it. Let's talk about why, right? And just conversation and that's it. And then the people that I work with, they're hungry. I have this one client. He's probably what I would call my ideal client, which I think we all need to have some sort of avatar of how you feel when you work with that. I have a client named Jason. He's uh, an MBA student at Stanford. We've known each other for years, but he's been working with me for eight months now. 
I mean, the, the, the hunger in which he comes on our calls and he's like, all right, boss, we have an hour. These are the three things I want to focus on. Let's go. And I'm like, oh my God, why can't everyone be like you? You know, have you ever worked with someone, Willow? They get on, they're like, and you're like, what do you want to talk about today? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, nope, this is your fucking life. You yep. paid for these phone calls. Do not expect me to do your life. You come yep. on here. This is what I want to work on. These are the things that are burdening me right now. I want to walk away with this. Let the, Great. Thank you for helping me do my job. This is a co-creation, co-creation. And that's what I think I really want everyone to hear is that no one is coming to save you, right? So you have to, you have to have that hunger for your own life. And when you start to come from that place, like, man, I want more. You start putting that out into the world. You start looking at the world through those eyes. The people who can help you will help you. You will start to find those people that will come and help you. The amount of love and support I have received in the past two years, three years in my recovery, especially has been people who just want to help me just because like, I'm, I just go into this world with this vibe of like, <laughs> I am here to serve. Mm -hmm. I'm here to serve. I want to help you. I've been through some shit. Let me help you. People just come out of the woodworks, right? So you, you got to be open to receiving help. You got to, you got to admit that maybe you don't know what the hell you're doing right now. And you need some help. You, you just, you have to put aside your pride. Right. And you have mm -hmm. to put aside your pride and be like, you know what? I really suck at this. I could use some help. If you can say that to yourself, man, you're golden. I yeah. suck at this. Someone help me. I suck. And I, I say that to myself and it's like, it's just, uh, that's how I talk to myself. Like, oh, I suck at this. I need some help. Right. Like it's okay to suck at something. Mm -hmm. It is okay to suck at something. When I went to, when I ran, when I did my first script in acting class, it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Why can't we be awful at something? I know it's we're awful. so afraid. It's crazy. The, yeah. I mean, that's why this buzzword is so hot right now because we've swung this other way of this yeah. you know, facade. And yeah, yeah, I really struggle with that too, because it's as someone who wears it openly, I mean, I don't share everything, but there's no, yeah. uh, there, you don't gain anything from, from it's having exhausting. this facade. Yeah, it's, it's really exhausting. exhausting. And, and, you totally. know, let's just, what it boils down to is you will end up hating yourself. That's mm. it. How could you love? Because you don't know yourself. So you don't really know the person behind the mask. So you're a stranger to yourself. That is the worst feeling in the world is to yeah. be alone and not want to be alone because you don't even know who you're in the room with. That's not a good place to be. I've been there before. So I was going to ask, it sounds like that. Yeah. You've been there. Yeah. And, um, so let's, I'm curious about the storytelling and the business part, because again, your business is very based around storytelling and is that okay. And then finding your, your own voice and everything else, is that something that you started recently? Let's say like three years ish ago, you really came into no, that. that storytelling no. has been the foundation of my business I, in high school. I won best storyteller, by the way, I mm. wanted best hair, but Audra Leone got it instead. Uh, that was my best friend in high school. So I uh, won best biggest storyteller. I've been storytelling since I was 28 years old. I've been, because I worked with I, my, one of my mentors was one of the best storytellers out there is Lisa Nichols, who was in the movie, the secret. You mm. might know her. She's been on Oprah. She's one of the most phenomenal storytellers. She gave me permission to start sharing my story. There were so many things I was ashamed of having bipolar disorder, growing up in an Indian family, not feeling good enough, all these. And she gave me permission to take people on my journey with me. So I've always just taken people on my journey. When I got out of rehab the first time, I 
people knew. I, 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 no one knew when I went into rehab because I didn't have access to technology. I, I, all my phones and everything were taken away. But when I went, I was, I was in a state rehab center. When I got out, I let everyone know. So, I, you know, for me, my life has always been, you know, I go through something, I go through something. And then I let other people know, hey, I've been through something. I can help you if you've been through it. You know, I'm in a place now. So, so I want to answer your original question. Storytelling has been from day one, right? Because that's how I connect with my audience. I'm not going to just sit here and tell you, do this, do this, do this. Oh, take this advice from me. I know everything. It's like, no, why should you listen to a word I say if you don't know anything that I've been through, right? That's how am I credible to you? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I can't I can't be so arrogant to think, please take my advice. Oh, because I'm a I'm a licensed social worker. I went to an Ivy League college. Who fucking cares? Plenty of people who have Ivy League ed- educations or not or whatever. What's going to make you respect and connect with what I have to say is me sharing exactly what I've been through and to hopefully help you see yourself in what I've been through, you don't have to have gone through rehab, but you know what? Maybe it feels like to feel like your whole life feels like it's crumbling. Maybe you never went through, you know, um, an addiction and being addicted to cocaine, but I'm sure there's something, a habit that you just could not get rid of. And it took control over you. Right. So it's not about the content of what you're sharing. That's what I want people to hear. It don't get so lost in the details. If you noticed, I don't go very deep into my addiction story unless the host probes me, right? I always want to give you the 60,000 foot view because let's not get lost in the details. Does it matter how much cocaine I was using? No, I used enough to get me in rehab, right? So when I teach storytelling to people, I want people to stand on their story, not in their story. There's a big difference when someone's telling their story and then get all fucking emotional. And you're like, you're still in it. You still have not healed from it. And then you feel ashamed that you haven't been able to process these emotions. And I said, give yourself time to heal before you start putting your life on blast. You have, do not performatively share your story. It's, you can tell when it's performative. You can tell when you just want to tell something to, sh- to shock people. You can tell when it's like, oh, I've been through this. I've learned this and I want to share. You get to choose who you want to be when you share your story. You want to be a drama queen and share your story? Go ahead. There's some people that, that love it. Kardashians do it all the time, right? You can be that kind okay. of storyteller if you want. You, you can choose to be whoever you want to be. There's no right way to do it. I've been the drama queen. I've been the oversharer. I've been the, let me tell you about my Scarface lines of cocaine so I can shock you. I'm not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not here for your entertainment. I'm here to teach you. I'm here to share my wisdom and keep it moving. If I can help you, great. If not, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Yeah. That's how I approach storytelling. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a recent client had been told, and she's almost 60, that, and she's showing up on Instagram for the first time. She's also a clinical therapist and meditation teacher. She's never shared any of her story and was told it's not about you. Your content isn't, has nothing to do with you. It's about your audience. So while that is true, mm-hmm. we are now working on her story because otherwise her work has no depth or, or context no. and that no. relatability. So yeah, I really love what you said, just standing on, on your story rather than in it, mm-hmm. because yeah, yeah that's. If you're not ready Powerful. to share something, you're not ready to share. Just be honest. No. You don't have to share anything. It's your life. There are some mm-hmm. things I do not share. I've been more vocal. If you listen to more Say It Out Loud podcasts, but I don't share every, it's nobody's business. It's like, no. <laughs> it's like, it, I listen, if I, before I share any story, I ask, how is this relevant? 
how do we tie it into the main thing? What's yep. the main thing, boss? You help women conf- um, uh, you help women communicate with more confidence. Is this story gonna bring that message home? Yes or no? No, don't trash it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I keep it simple. Is this is this gonna help someone with their mental health who's maybe dealing with anxiety? Bipolar? Yes, it will. Great. Great, share it. So I know I know my content pillars. I know the things that I focus on. Do I ever stray? Of course, I'm allowed to do whatever I want. There are no <laughs> rules, people. I can do whatever I want, right? That's what it is. If I want to talk about getting naked, if that was one of my podcast episodes. If I want to talk about getting naked, I can talk about getting naked. I can talk about whatever I want. You can talk about whatever you want, period. Mm-hmm. Go do it. That's it. But this is where people need help, which is why it's great that they have people like you, people like me. I help you actually finesse it. So you're not just verbally masturbating all over people. No one wants your story just all over them. Let's be real. You don't need to like jerk off to people. No, for real though, a lot of women who have not been given the space and men too, who have not been given the space to share their story will often verbally vomit. They will when they're trying to tell their story. And it's like, no, I mean, on an interview, it's very, it's like a back and forth and you want the audience to get to know you, but if you have not been in the habit of sharing your story and really having that dialogue with yourself and others, of course, getting on camera and talking about your story is going to feel overwhelming. So you need to get in the habit of talking about yourself. It is not self-indulgent to talk about yourself. Okay. When you talk about yourself, Mm. you relate it back to your audience. You are now sharing golden tips. You're sharing those key nuggets with them, right? It's not self-indulgent. And you, 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 I feel bad when, when people come to me and say that, because I can tell, you know, that you probably grew up in a home where no one actually ever sat and talked to you about you. Right. Mm -hmm. Or when you, when you cried, you were told to go to your room. So I, I feel deeply for people who feel bad or ashamed of sharing their story. Cause it tells me you probably didn't have a lot of people who sat down and talked to you about you. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And, and these days with, with putting ourselves out there, it is a whole new breed of people that, that would never be in such a public, you know, forum, I guess. Um, and so I think that brings up a lot of our, our shit, obviously deep, 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 you know, rooted. So what would be your best, a couple pieces of advice, someone who's like, I have a message and the camera, the camera brings up a lot of fear for well, people. If you think about it, you're looking directly at yourself, right? So this mm-hmm. is why I have my clients do mirror work. If you can't look at your own self in the mirror, of course, just looking at yourself on camera when you're talking to the camera, it feels weird. So look in the mirror. If you don't like your reflection in the mirror, you're not going to like your reflection on camera. I love looking at myself in the mirror. Love it. I love being on camera. I could do it like a 45 minute IG live, which I will never do again, but I can, I can <laughs> just sit at myself many, yeah. and just watch myself talk and, and, and generate energy. Just looking at myself. How many people can do that? No. Cause we're waiting for other people to give us that energy. No, you can create your own energy and cultivate that, generate that energy from within. So first piece of advice is look in the mirror every single day. Second piece of advice is to talk to yourself. When you look in the mirror every single day, Um, and third is to talk out loud to yourself and notice how unkind you're being, where you're being kind, what, where, what areas are you being nice to yourself? And I stand in front of the mirror naked every day, right? Right before I get into the shower and I talk to myself, I look to see where my mind is at. Oh, am I, am I talking about the cellulite? Am I talking about the, the, the bottom belly roll that I have? Am I commenting on that one little hair that just 
keeps growing out of my nipple. Where is my eye going to right now? What am I actually yeah. looking at? So it, 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 for me, standing in front of the mirror is it helps me gauge my relationship to myself, my relationship to my body, which directly affects my confidence, right? So I would talk to yourself in front of the mirror naked every single day and just start paying attention out loud and look at, notice the dialogue and talk to yourself. There are different parts to yourself. You have different voices inside of you. I know I sound crazy, but if you haven't tried it, you won't understand, you know? So it's like, when I look in the mirror, I'll be like, you know, you have really nice shoulders, right? And then I'll have another voice that says, yeah, but you've really got to lower that. You know, you really got to, you know, reduce weight in your belly or, you know, you've gotten a little fat in your hips. Exactly what something I would say to myself, you've gotten a little fat. And then another voice will say, why do you talk to yourself that way? Right? So we have these voices in our head every, and if you don't have those voices, I would love for you to actually start paying attention because every single one of us has those voices. If you don't, that's a problem. If you cannot hear those voices, those different parts of you, that I actually think is an issue that could, can be worked on that will actually help you integrate more of yourself, integrate more of yourself. Cause there are many, there is a kind part of you. There is such an accepting part of you. There is a part of you that's highly critical and, and talking about your belly rolls. That's my mother's voice right there. Mm. My mother wouldn't even, you know, change in front of us. She would always be very shy of her body. First thing she would always say to me is you've gained weight. You got to lose weight. That's my mother's voice. There, I have a very accepting voice in my head. That's my dad's voice. Then there's another voice. that's just Vasavi's. That's like, Vas, if you don't like the way you look, you know, let's, let's, what do you got to work on? Maybe you got to cut your calories a little bit, girl. Maybe you got to stop eating deep dash pizza every week, right? <laughs> yeah. I have a very honest, I have a very honest dialogue with myself. Don't judge my dialogue, right? That's the thing. Look at your own dialogue. Look at the dialogue you have. You, you're probably just as mean to yourself, if not meaner. Oh, I'm yeah. just a mirror. I just say it out loud for you to hear. <laughs> yes. I'm just the one that we're, we're all thinking it. I just say it out loud, you know? Yeah. So this is look in the mirror, look yeah. in the mirror, talk out loud, talk to yourself, have conversations with yourself out loud. It will fundamentally make a difference in how you show up. Yeah. And journaling is a big recommendation for people. So I think take the journal and yeah, start saying I, it out loud. I, I love the journal. I also think that from our mind to the pen, to the paper, a lot of stuff gets distorted. I think when we use our voice, because that's what, what, what are women's biggest challenges is I need to use my voice. I need to find my voice. It's like, okay, guess what? You can talk to yourself out loud anywhere you are. That's the thing. My book that's coming out, every single exercise is a say it out loud exercise. There's only one exercise where I require a piece of paper because I want everyone to know you have the thoughts in your head. If you say them out loud, you can actually gauge where you're at and you can start talking to yourself. Because when you learn how to talk to yourself, you can get yourself through any situation. First of all, you'll stop staying in toxic relationships, people who treat you like shit, because if you don't talk to yourself like shit, you're not going to put up with it from anyone else. Number two, when you're going through an issue or a struggle or a challenge in your life, you can use those different voices in your head to help guide you towards where you want to go, just like you used to do when you were a child. It's, it's, it's helpful for higher cognitive functioning is to actually start to talk and, and say those things out loud. So try putting that into practice and see, you know, let me know how it goes. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. I, I notice a lot. I laugh at myself more and more maybe yeah. with age. I'm just be like, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. This is funny. Be and, ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Take, yeah. Okay. This is, this is good. Very good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, okay. What are you most 
proud of? Oh, I love the question, Willow. Uh, what am I most <laughs> proud of? I'm most, I'm most proud of the fact that once I make a decision, it's impenetrable. I love that mm. about myself. It takes a while. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a thorough learner. I have to look at all, I got to feel all the feelings. I got to have all the conversation. Once I finally decide, it's like nothing. I love that about myself. I love that about myself. I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus sun, Aries moon, Sag, Sag rising. I'm very loyal to my habits, mm-hmm. even if it's bad for me. It took me four years to finally get <laughs> off cocaine, right? But, you know, even if it's you bad commit. for me, I commit. Oh my God. Even if it's a toxic relationship, uh, but I'm committed to the toxicity. <laughs> no. Yeah. My God, kill me. Uh, but no, I, I love yeah. the fact that when I make a decision, I'm like, I'm nothing can stop me. I'm unstoppable. Yeah. I love that. I love that about myself mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Thank you yeah. for sharing. And yeah. what are you most looking forward to right now? Um, oh, right now, let's see what I, I got some good stuff going on. I'm going to be on the cover of a magazine here in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. Austin women magazine. Very excited. That's coming out in May, my birthday month. I'm excited about like what will be brought into my life now that I'm looking for looking for a man and having a baby. Like what, what could I've never, I've never said that. Like mm. it's a whole different, like my ovaries, like I might as well just be like, I just have like, I just have rainbows shooting out of my vagina. It's like, come impregnate me. I'm ready. No, I, I, I'm not ready yet. I got, I got, a, I got a few things that I, I'm working on to sort myself out internally. There's a few things. There's an order in which I'm doing things. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, every time you make a plan, God laughs but I can pretend that I have a little bit of power in my life right now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited about what's going to come into my life with this new, like, man, I really, you know, this idea of a family, like, wow, I can create my own family. I've never thought this way before. So I'm excited to see what's going to come into my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you. Yeah. 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 And you're just staring at each other. Oh, I know. I know. I know. My, oh, thank you. Oh my God. Thank you for, you should be my publicist. Uh, yeah. And my book, I do have a book coming out spring of 2023. It's called say it out loud, using the power of your voice to hear your deepest thoughts and courage, courageously pursue your dreams. I would love to like talk to Hoda on, you know, and, and, mm. and, and help and help her say it out loud. You know, I've had a lot of, a lot of visions of like being able to talk to like help somebody actually say it out loud. How do we actually like, let's actually say it out loud right? Say it out loud. Whatever it is, everything in your life that you're struggling with can be resolved when you say it out loud. I fundamentally believe that as someone who's been in therapy since she was 12 years old, everything in my life has been a result of two things, getting quiet and then saying it out loud. But I always mm-hmm. say it out loud in t- like to myself in private, right? So I have, I have a relationship with myself out loud mm-hmm. in, in, in behind closed doors. So I'm really excited about the book, even just talking about it. Like, it's great. I forgot. I'm, I mean, I'm writing a whole book about it. I'm in it right now. So I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, saying it out loud. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm in the min- middle of writing the manuscript. I got like 20,000 words left to write, but we're good. Yeah. We're, go- we're going to get there. It's due in June, the manuscript. Okay. So anyway, I uh, just got anxious thinking about that. Okay. So we're not, we're, we're not going to talk about the book, but I'm very excited about the books. I love the podcast. I'm excited. You know, I, I know God has a lot in store for me. I'm, I'm open to it. Yeah. There's this great quote that I, I think we're ending soon this interview, but I would like to say one of no, my favorite. Yeah. Quotes, yeah. One of my of favorite course. quotes is by Joseph Campbell. And he says, the gods will give you everything you want. You just need to be ready for it, mm-hmm. you know? So I wasn't ready yeah. for it. It's okay. You don't have to be ready for everything. You got to get ready for the thing that God is 
give, going to give you. So it's like, there's never been a timeline. I don't believe in timelines. Mm. I don't. I'm just thinking about family, obviously, because I'm turning 40. Let's be real. I'm not going to try to be some like scientific uh, case of like, look, she had a kid at 50. No, I'm not trying to do that to myself. But if, if I've ever thought about having a kid, this is the time for me to actually start being intentional and thinking mm -hmm. about it, you know? So I'm excited. Yeah. God is good. I got no complaints. Definitely. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate you. I, thank you. I, I'm energized, truly. And how can people find you? Because you have a lot of stuff out there and I highly recommend people binge your podcast. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, the say it out loud podcast is definitely where you can hear me every week. It's, you know, I used to batch record all my content, but, um, all my content that you see on my podcast is in real time. So like mm. I record it literally two days before you hear it. So it's very fresh. It's not like something that happened five months ago. It's very in the moment. So mm -hmm. say it out loud podcast. Um, you can always book a three hour. I do a, th I, I do three hour VIP sessions with people. I do, you could come to Austin and hang out with me. We do a weekend retreat here. It's so much fun. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at my name is Vasavi. So okay. yeah. And my, my website is vasavikumar.com. All the info you, I'm sure you'll put. Yes, I will. I will. Yeah. I want to hang out with you in Austin. That sounds fun. Come, come. We do. Okay. So wait, I just want to let everyone know. Oh my God. This is the perfect example of integrating all parts. Everyone hear this. This is actually important. So Willow, I usually do like one-on-one -on -one calls with people and I'll do like these zoom calls. <laughs> we'll go through your shit, whatever. I was like, man, I don't want to do this. Like I still offer that to people, but <laughs> I've been doing these like Lux retreats where you come for three nights and four days. And then I put you up at an Austin proper hotel, which is very bougie. I, I can only do the bougiest because that's mm -hmm. just me. And then the next day we do a full day spa at Miraval and we just play, we do hip hop dance classes. Hip hop is something like, I love doing dance classes. So we customize your time, but then we spend one whole day on just business masterminding. We talk about, you know, your communication strategy. What are the things, what's your content going to look like, who you're going to be in the next year. Right. Or the next, I like to work in four month increments, by the way, that's just okay. the thing. I have no yep. idea where I'm going to be a year from now, but I can kind of gauge four months. So I love that. Yeah. Just lots of different ways to really have fun and work with clients is, is, is really what I'm after this year. So yeah, I hope you come to Austin too. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Your energy is infectious. Thank you. I'm like a disease. <laughs> what if I'm like a disease. Well, I didn't mean that, but <laughs> I'm like, a good, I'm, I'm an illness. I'm, I mean, hey, I'm, I am, I'm giving you, I'm giving you my good, my, my good juju. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I, I so appreciate you. Just wanted yeah. to acknowledge all the things that you have shared and, and, you know, continuing to serve and show up consistently. Thanks, Willow. I appreciate you. I, I really do. You, you were a great host as well. I appreciate Thank how you. much you were willing to just go there and just, you know, I, I always want to say this and you should keep this on the interview if you weren't, because I think people oh, yeah. need to really hear audience needs to hear like when you're having a dialogue with the host, I've had hosts that just ask me canned questions. And I'm like, you're not listening to anything that mm. I'm saying right now. Oh, You're yeah. not yeah. listening. I'm pouring my whole fucking life out here for you and your audience because I want you to have a great episode. This is my life's work. When I get canned responses from hosts, I want to like end the Zoom call. Yep. But I want to just say, but, I, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I get through the entire interview and I give it my all because it's not about Vasavi. It's about, I'm a child of God and I'm here to send a message. So I got to get my ego out of the way, right? I just, mm -hmm. just want to acknowledge you that I've had those kind of interviews 
um, I really appreciated how you probed and you didn't shy away from asking, you know, difficult questions. I think a lot of times hosts um, want to go deeper and they're afraid because they think they're going to offend the guest. And I always say, yeah, come at me with those difficult questions. Why are you so afraid? You know, so I always recommend hosts, anyone listening, if you want to be a better interviewer or a guest, go deep, stop being so shallow and stop being fake. We don't need any more of that. Yeah. You know, it real. it's boring. It's boring. And, yeah. It's yeah. boring. Super yeah. boring. So, yeah. Thank you for that. That means a lot. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode brought to you by Be Seen Productions. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and smash that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast so you will be the first to know when an episode is live in the first and last week of the month. And also for visibility, a review makes a huge difference, especially a five-star review. So thank you in advance if you are inclined to, to do so. And if you're a small business owner who is ready to elevate your online presence, get in touch with me, willow at bseenproductions.com. And seen is spelled S-C-E-N-E. Let's make some magic together. Thank you again for being here. I'll see you in the next episode. Until then, keep carving your own fucking path.